0: At the beginning of Book 9, Eve has an idea. She's been thinking about this for a while, and she's just kind of hesitated to bring it up. But now she's ready. And on line 205, Eve presents her idea. Hey, this is Darkness Visible. I'm Mr. Orem. Today's episode, Eden Exposed. Well, may we labor still to dress this garden, still to tend plant, herb, and flower, our pleasant task enjoined. But till more hands aid us, the work under our labor grows luxurious by restraint. What we by day lop, overgrown, or prune, or prop, or bind, one night or two with wanton growth derides, tending to wild. Thou therefore now advise, or hear what to my mind first thoughts present. Let us divide our labors. Thou, where choice leads thee, or where most needs, whether to wind the woodbine round this arbor, or direct the clasping ivy where to climb, while I, in yonder spring of roses intermixed with myrtle, find what to redress till noon. For, while so near each other thus all day, our task we choose... What wonder, if so near, looks intervene and smiles, or objects new casual discourse draw on, which intermits our day's work, brought to little, though begun early, and the hour of supper comes unearned. So Eve here, very sensible. She's been, like I said, thinking about this for a while now and finally she's come out with it. She says, hey Adam, I sure do love gardening with you all day, every day, but what if we, I don't know, what if we split up for a few hours? You could garden over there And I, well, I could garden over there and we'd get back together, let's say, around noon. And Eve has some interesting ideas for why they should do this. She looks around and she says, you know, it's hard work keeping up with the garden. This place is growing like out of control. And I understand that, of course, eventually we're going to have kids and they'll be able to help us with all of our gardening. But for now, it's just the two of us. And the garden is overgrowing. Maybe we'd be more efficient if we split up. Because you know, when we're gardening together, occasionally we get distracted. I mean, all it takes is a glance, of course, and and one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden we're enjoying mutually agreeable pastimes of another kind. Or, you know, we see something new, some sort of new animal. Oh look, what's that? It's a ferret. Oh, cool, Adam. And like that, of course, that interrupts our gardening. And well, there's all kinds of things that are getting in the way of us being totally efficient gardeners. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if we split up for a little bit, we'll be able to take care of the garden a little more efficiently, and then we can get back together for lunch. What do you say, babe? And Adam responds very gently. To whom, mild answer, Adam thus returned. So, Eve. Associate soul, to me beyond compare above all living creatures, dear. Well hast thou motioned, well thy thoughts employed, how we might best fulfill the work which here God hath assigned us. Nor of me shall pass unpraised, for nothing lovelier can be found in woman than to study household good and good works in her husband to promote. Yet not so strictly hath our lord imposed labor as to debar us when we need refreshment, whether food or talk between, food of the mind or this sweet intercourse of looks and smiles, for smiles from reason flow to brute denied and are of love the food. Love not the lowest end of human life. For not to irksome toil, but to delight he made us, and delight to reason joined. These paths and bowers doubt not, but our joint hands will keep from wilderness with ease as wide as we need walk, till younger hands ere long assist us. But if much converse perhaps thee satiate, to short absence I could yield, for solitude sometimes is best society, and short retirement urges sweet return, but other doubt possesses me, lest harm befall thee, severed from me, for thou knowest what hath been warned us. What malicious foe, envying our happiness and of his own despairing, seeks to work us woe and shame by sly assault? And somewhere nigh at hand, watches no doubt, with greedy hope to find his wish and best advantage, us asunder, hopeless to circumvent us join, where each to other speedy aid might lend at need, whether his first design be to withdraw our fealty from God, or to disturb conjugal love, than which perhaps no bliss enjoyed by us excites his envy more, or this, or worse. Leave not the faithful side that gave thee being, still shades thee and protects. The wife, where danger or dishonor lurks, safest and seemliest by her husband stays." who guards her, or with her, the worst endures. Well, he did it. He pulled the rib card, and I got to say, he's pulling it out pretty early in this argument. He kind of pats her on the head at the beginning of his speech and says, Oh, babe, yet this is perfect. There is nothing better in woman than to study household good. And promote good works in her husband and you are doing both of those things babe i love you so much you're perfect but here's why your idea is super dumb first your premises are flawed let me explain i'm a reasonable guy and i'm going to reasonably explain to you why you're an idiot first you're saying to me we can't like look at each other and smile and get distracted from our work because our work's really important and to that i say eve again you're no dummy but this idea is dumb. God made us to be happy. And if we smile at each other and we're happy sometimes, that's fine. If it gets in the way of our gardening, it does not matter. It doesn't matter if we smile, love each other, and have a good time because God didn't just make us to be gardeners. He made us to be happy. So why don't you just relax, Eve, on that first point. We really don't need to, like, freak out about the whole gardening thing. Now, <sighs> granted, sometimes it is nice to be alone. I sometimes like to be by myself, although I haven't been by myself once since you came into existence, but, well, there's another reason, Eve, another reason why this idea is absolutely stupid, and I'm going to tell you what that reason is right now. There's a bad guy. I know you already know about this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. There's a bad guy out there, and he's lurking, waiting to pounce. He wants to find us separate. I bet, because he probably thinks it's going to be easier to tempt us separately. And I don't want you to get hurt, babe. I don't want you to have to put yourself in a position of getting hurt, so I'm going to tell you right now, if you stay with me and I stay with you, we do this buddy system thing, we're going to be a lot safer. We don't know what this guy wants. He might want to separate us from God, which, of course, is just terrible. But think about this: What if he wants to separate us from each other? What if he wants to mess with our relationship, babe? You wouldn't want that, certainly I don't. Say so, hey. Remember the rib? Remember how we're one flesh? I not you coming over here by my side. I'll protect you, babe. The husband's job is to protect the wife and stay by her, and that's what I intend to do. Eve. Well, she persists, because come to find out, she has actually already thought about these things, and it turns out that Adam is not going to be as easy to convince as she thought he would be. I suspect that she already realizes that she has some sort of mystical power over Adam, but she doesn't want to use that mystical power. Instead, she wants to use reason, and so she continues her argument. Line 270 to whom the virgin majesty of Eve, as one who loves and some unkindness meets, with sweet austere composure, thus replied, Offspring of heaven and earth and all earth's Lord, that such an enemy we have who seeks our ruin, both by thee informed I learn and from the parting angel overheard, as in the shady nook I stood behind, just then returned shut of evening flowers. But that thou shouldst my firmness therefore doubt to God, or thee because we have a foe may tempt it, I expected not to hear. His violence thou fearest not, being such as we not capable of death or pain, can neither receive or can repel. His fraud, then, is thy fear, which plain infers thy equal fear that my firm faith and love can by his fraud be shaken or seduced. Thoughts which, how Found a harbor in thy breast, Adam. Misthought of her to thee so dear. Don't you trust me? I mean, thanks, like, thanks for explaining that there's a bad guy out there who wants to destroy us. I was actually aware of that already, but thanks for the reminder. You're not really afraid of what that bad guy can do to me. You're not afraid he can harm me because you know that we are invincible to harm. What you're really afraid of, Adam, is me. You are afraid that I am weak. You are afraid that I will not remain loyal to you and to God. You don't trust me. You don't believe in me. And you don't think I'm capable of proving my love to you. I can't believe I am hearing this. But she keeps it together. But behind that composure, Eve is questioning the foundation of their relationship and really putting Adam on the spot. Adam realizes, of course, because of the, the, the next words, he gets a little bit more into it. Line 290 To whom, with healing words, Adam replied, Oh, daughter of God and man, immortal Eve, for such thou art from sin and blame entire. And Not diffident of thee do I dissuade thy absence from my sight, but to avoid the attempt itself intended by our foe. For he who tempts, though in vain, at least asperses the tempted with dishonor foul, supposed not incorruptible of faith, not proof against temptation, Thou thyself with scorn and anger wouldst resent the offered wrong, Though ineffectual found. Misdeem not, then, if such affront I labor to avert from thee alone, Which on us both at once the enemy, though bold, will hardly dare, Or, daring, first on me the assault shall light. Nor thou his malice and false guile contemn, Subtle he needs must be, who could seduce angels, nor think superfluous others' aid. I, from the influence of thy looks, receive access in every virtue. In thy sight more wise, more watchful, stronger if need were of outward strength while shame thou looking on, shame to be overcome or overreached, would utmost vigor raise, and raised unite. Why shouldst not thou like sense within thee feel when I am present, and thy trial choose with me, best witness of thy virtue tried? So spake domestic Adam in his care and matrimonial love. It's not that I don't trust you. I do. It's not that I don't trust your love. I completely do. I know that you want to be allegiant and obedient, both to me and to God. And that's exactly why I want you to stay with me. You see what Adam's saying here? He's like, listen, it is not you. It's it's the foe. It's the enemy. It's, it's the fact of being tempted, that itself, that's what I want to protect you from. And it's because I love you. He's trying here and I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there is at least some merit to the argument that like, if you love somebody, you want to protect them from even the possibility that they could be harmed. And Adam knows that if Eve goes off on her own, she will be more exposed. But at the same time, I mean, Eve has such a good point, and she's going to make it even more clear in her follow-up. Why don't we read Eve's response? Because I think this is where we get the real money. So spake domestic Adam in his care and matrimonial love. But Eve, who thought less attributed to her faith sincere, thus her reply with accent sweet renewed, If this be our condition... Thus to dwell In narrow circuit Straightened by a foe Subtle or violent We not endued Single with like defense Wherever met How are we happy Still in fear of harm But harm Precedes not sin, only our foe tempting affronts us with his foul esteem of our integrity. His foul esteem sticks no dishonor on our front, but turns foul on himself. Then wherefore shunned or feared by us, who rather double honor gain from his surmise proved false, find peace within, favor from heaven our witness from the event? What is faith, love, virtue, unassayed, alone, without exterior help, sustained? Let us not then suspect our happy state left so imperfect by the Maker wise as not secure to single or combined. Frail is our happiness, if this be so. And Eden were no Eden, thus exposed. Oh, shoot. Oh, Eve, these lines, they just, they tear at the very fabric of this paradise. They, they seem to reveal this gaping hole in God's plan. I, I am stunned every time I read this that, that Milton gives Eve this language. Because, I mean, this might be the smartest observation that is made in this entire freaking poem what is faith love and virtue if they are never tested and what can i as as an agent what can i know about myself if i'm not free to face temptation alone how can i ever know if i'm enough there's no way that our creator could have made us so weak that we are literally incapable of withstanding temptation alone. If this is paradise, if we're supposed to be happy, then we need to be free. And if if this is our condition, to live in constant fear, to not be able to take a break from each other for five minutes, because we're afraid we're going to get killed or worse, How are we happy? If that is the situation that God expects us to live in for eternity, then this is not paradise. There's one more element to her argument here in, in, in the way she was responding to Adam. One element that I think really drives home is the like, deep truth of this conversation. Because Adam has said, hey, I don't think you're going to succumb to temptation, but just being tempted, that alone casts aspersions on you. But Eve, I mean, she's desperate to go out on her own because she's desperate to know herself and to know whether she can withstand this temptation. And so she says, listen, just being tempted, that doesn't cast dishonor on me. It casts dishonor on the one doing the tempting. Me, it does the exact opposite. It elevates me. It proves that I am capable, that my faith and love and virtue are real. And I think some of us have heard this argument and maybe even participated in an argument like this from time to time, perhaps with a parent, perhaps when asking to go to that party. Hey, Dad, can I have the keys? Where are you going? Oh, I'm just going over to my friend's house for that party. I thought we talked about this. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel comfortable with you going to that party yet. You know they're going to be drinking. Hey, Dad, I, yeah, I know, but you know I don't drink, right? Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to drink. Son, come here. And you have this conversation, the very same conversation that Adam and Eve are having. You, of course, you want to go out there and just like experience the world. You want to know yourself and whether or not you're capable of resisting the temptations that exist in the world. And plus, you, you want to have fun and be around your friends. Meanwhile, dad is like, hey, listen, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to do what's best for you. And by the end of the conversation, you don't know whether your dad actually believes in you or not. And your dad doesn't know whether it's time to let you go or time to pull the reins in tighter. That's the kind of thing Adam and Eve are dealing with here. And it's the first marital disagreement that they've ever had. And you've probably noticed that what they're arguing about is free will. One of the deepest and most complex ideas in this poem is at the core of this marital disagreement. How can we be truly happy if we are not truly free, says Eve? And Adam responds, We are truly free, but only if we obey God and stay as far away from temptation as possible. And what a paradox. What a what a bizarre situation to be in, where, where you know that if you step one inch over the line it's over but if you stay within the boundaries that are set for you then you're free adam seems to accept that eve questions it and that questioning is going to get her into some serious trouble very soon adam has one last chance to try and persuade her not to go And he tries his best to explain that when she faces this temptation, she won't even know that it's happening. He's going to explain to her that reason is perfect and that as long as reason is informed by truth, she can never succumb to temptation. But reason can be misinformed. Reason can be tricked or deceived. He's trying to explain lying to a completely innocent mind. And I don't know how he's capable of this because he himself is also innocent, but I guess he did hear that very thorough explanation of Satan's rebellion. And I think a few things from Raphael's discourse actually got into his brain and have settled there because he is saying something quite profound to Eve he's saying when you are tempted you won't know that it is temptation you will feel like it is reasonable and right because your reason will have been misinformed and so in the act of disobeying God you're actually going to believe that you're doing what's right this is the danger Eve if we stay together we can protect each other If we separate, we could lose everything. Listen to how he says it. To whom thus Adam fervently replied, A woman, best are all things as the will of God ordained them. His creating hand, nothing imperfect or deficient left of all that he created, much less man or aught that might his happy state secure, secure from outward force. Within himself the danger lies, yet lies within his power. Against his will he can receive no harm. But God left free the will, for what obeys reason is free, and reason he made right. But bid her well beware, and still erect, lest by some fair-appearing good, surprised, she dictate false and misinform the will to do what God expressly hath forbid. Not then mistrust, but tender love enjoins, that I should mind thee oft, and mind thou me. Firm we subsist, yet possible to swerve. Since reason, not impossibly, may meet some specious object by the foe suborned and fall into deception unaware, not keeping strictest watch as she was warned. Seek not temptation then, which to avoid were better. And most likely, if from me thou sever not, trial will come unsought. Wouldst thou approve thy constancy? Approve first thy obedience the other who can know not seeing thee attempted who attest <sighs> But if thou think trial unsought may find us both securer than thus warned thou seem'st, go for thy stay not free. Absence thee more Go In thy native innocence Rely on what thou hast of virtue Some and all For God towards thee Hath done his part Do thine So spake the patriarch of mankind But Eve persisted. Yet submiss, though last, replied, With thy permission, then, and thus forewarned, chiefly by what thy own last reasoning words touched only, that our trial, when least sought, may find us both perhaps far less prepared. The willinger I go, nor much expect a foe, so proud will first the weaker seek, so bent the more shall shame him his repulse. Thus saying, from her husband's hand, her hand soft she withdrew, and like a wood nymph light, Oread or Dryad or of Delia's train, betook her to the groves. And Adam watches as Eve, delicately, but purposefully, treads off into the garden alone. I bet your conversation with your parent at one point or another ended in this exact same way with the parent throwing up their hands and saying, listen, I've done everything I can for you, but I will not control you. You have to be your own person. And if I were to keep you here against your will, then you might just as well be gone. Be smart. Stay safe. I trust you. And Eve's like, okay, thanks for the permission. Bye. Well, it doesn't take long, not long at all, for Satan to spy out Eve by herself. And he's honestly stunned, like shocked, that this has happened. Because it never happens. They're never apart. What luck. What incredible luck, Satan thinks, as he sees Eve alone. But in that moment, after Eve has left Adam's side, Adam Waving goodbye, she goes off and saying, hey, come back soon. Eve turning around and saying, yeah, I'll be back by noon, babe. Love ya. In that moment when Satan sees Eve by herself, he is suddenly completely disarmed. It's like his will, his ability to do evil is arrested. He's stuck just staring at her beauty her innocence and her incredible vulnerability and for a moment he literally cannot move but as he continues to stalk her he begins to remember that this incredible power eve has this tremendous beauty this is yet another thing which is forever denied him And although he instinctively feels overwhelmed with love for her, he consciously decides to replace that love with hate. Knowing that hate disguised as love is the tactic he must employ in order to successfully tempt her rebellion. Line 455. Such pleasure took the serpent to behold this flowery plat, the sweet recess of Eve, thus early, thus alone. Her heavenly form angelic, but more soft and feminine Her graceful innocence, her every air of gesture or least action overawed his malice, and with rapid sweetness bereaved his fierceness of the fierce intent it brought. That space the evil one, abstracted, stood from his own evil, and for the time remained stupidly good of enmity disarmed, of guile, of hate, of envy, of revenge. But the hot hell that always in him burns, though in mid-heaven soon ended his delight, and tortures him now more, the more he sees of pleasure not for him ordained. Then soon fierce hate he recollects, and all his thoughts of mischief Gratulating, thus excites.
1: Thoughts... Whither have ye led me? With what sweet compulsion thus transported to forget what hither brought us? Hate. Not love, nor hope of paradise, for hell hope here to taste of pleasure, but all pleasure to destroy, save what is in destroying other joy to me is lost. Then let me not pass occasion which now smiles. Behold, alone the woman, opportune to all attempts, her husband, for I view far round, not nigh, whose higher intellectual more I shun, and strength of courage haughty and of limb heroic built, though of terrestrial mold, foe not informidable, exempt from wound, I not, so much hath held debased and pain enfeebled me to what I was in heaven. She, fair, divinely fair, fit love for gods, not terrible, though terror be in love and beauty, not approached by stronger hate, hate stronger under show of love well feigned, the way which to her ruin, now I
0: time Eve gets exactly what she wants she faces temptation alone and two of the most perplexing, fascinating and frankly brilliant characters in this poem Satan and Eve will go head to head with the fate of mankind Hanging in the balance. Darkness Visible is a labor of love for my 10th grade English students, and everyone is more than welcome to listen for free. But if you're a parent and you're looking for ways to support teachers, here's one way. Click on the donate link in the description to this episode and make a small recurring contribution to keep this show alive. And hey, quick shout out to Ava and Ashton, a couple of former students who have been providing feedback and assistance with this show. Thank you so much for your help.